Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this final leg of Season 5, I'm reading my way through every single goddamn page in The Revenge of Kang, the final module in the Time Warp Adventure series for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game. And as I do, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on each page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Revenge of Kang was written by Ray Winninger and was published in 1990. Today we're discussing page 63 of The Revenge of Kang. Today's page contains chapter 38, which is entitled Wrapping It All Up, but we'll see about that. Last time, a lot of things happened, a lot of things too complicated to recap here. This is the final page of text in this adventure series. If you are starting MDC with this episode, stop, go back. After yesterday, I just have neither the time nor the psychological wherewithal to explain what was on last page and why we should all be angry about it. What's happening now is that our heroes are rushing from the basement of the Marvel Comics office building up to the Marvel Comics offices to seize the proofs of the latest issue of their own comic book series because, due to an evil scheme by Kang, whatever is published in the comic book will happen for real in the Marvel Universe. And Kang has apparently altered the comic book so that good things happen for Kang. And when good things happen for Kang, bad things happen for everyone else, including other Kangs. So what is good for Kang is bad for Kang. You can see why he's so filled with spite. Now we know that the proofs are going off to the printer at 4pm. No mention is made of the possibility of heading these proofs off at the printer. Presumably, like the bartender in a hokey D&D campaign, the printer that prints Marvel Comics is staffed exclusively by retired 15th level adventurers. It is impregnable. We cannot get into the printer. We must get our hands on those proofs here at the Marvel offices. We have 15 minutes to get up to the offices before that happens, before the 4pm deadline. Quote, on the way up to the Marvel offices... The heroes encounter Marty Jenkins, who informs them that Editor O'Malley has allowed the entire staff to leave early this afternoon. Marty and the rest of the Marvel staff work until 5pm on most days. Note that the heroes' duplicates from the alternate time stream will accompany their counterparts up to the Marvel office. Okay, so we need a little more recap. All of our heroes have alternate dimension duplicates who were previously kidnapped by Kang and put into psychological analysis machines uh, in order to project the heroes' responses to a variety of stimuli, but then our heroes freed our heroes' duplicates... And now there's two of everybody running up the stairs of the Marvel offices. Okay, we're all caught up. Back to the action. Here's the box text. Quote, You get up to the Marvel offices at about ten minutes to four. As you enter the door, you hear a loud scream echoing out from behind you. Whirling about, you see that the source of the scream is an enraged O'Malley. Apparently, Kang hasn't relinquished his control over the editor just yet. So O'Malley is the editor in charge of our hero's comic book, which is entitled Time and Space, Kang had O'Malley under mind control, which is how he managed to make his own additions and edits to the third issue of Time and Space. And right before he left, in the middle of last scene, apparently, Kang ordered O'Malley to guard the proofs of the issue in case the heroes tried something like we're trying right now. Also, at an unknown time, Kang gave O'Malley a double dose of supervillain steroids, like the ones that we encountered back during the Daredevil portion of the adventure. So O'Malley is now a fucking beast. He's got incredible physical stats across the board. That means he has 160 health, and he's been ordered to guard these proofs, so we have to deal with O'Malley before we can get the proofs and the clock is ticking. On a structural level, I'm not sure why O'Malley is here. I can understand the value of the time limit on this scene, and I guess there is tension in having a combat while like the timer is ticking on the thing you really want to do. I, I just don't think the fight really adds anything here, but in most playthroughs it's not going to be too much of an obstacle, so we're going to beat all 160 health points out of O'Malley. We are then expected to remember that pages and chapters ago, there was a single mention in the box text that the proofs for Time and Space Issue 3 are in the bottom drawer of the file cabinet 
in O'Malley's office. If we do not remember the precise wording of the box text from pages and chapters ago, it's going to take us two of our remaining minutes to find the proofs. Once we do, the final minigame begins, and I have to admit this is a fun idea. So what we find, and I'll put this on uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash megadumbcast, a public post where you can find a picture of the comic book page that concludes this adventure. It's got six panels, and I'm going to describe them to you along with the text written on the panels in pencil, representing Kang's version of events that he had added to the book via the brainwashed O'Malley. Panel one, extreme close-up of just Kang's finger pushing a button on a control panel in the speech balloon. Quote, Now I shall rid myself of those meddling heroes. Panel two, an explosion in space. The caption overhead reads, quote, Suddenly, a strange force lashes out through space, and the hero's timeship explodes. Panel 3. Kang hunched over a control panel, slight Dutch angle. Kang's being a little artsy here. I bet there was an obnoxious instruction to the artist by Kang in the script. As a born conqueror, I feel like he's the kind of guy who writes too many stage directions, tries to really direct on the page. Anyway, he's got a word balloon, and it reads, quote, Calculating these final coordinates is the only task standing between me and complete domination of the multiverse. Panel 4. Tighter shot of Kang from the front this time, over his control panel. He's pulling a big ol' lever. Speech balloon, quote, There, at last, I've done it. Readers are going to be able to tell that this page was done by a different writer, because this pace of storytelling is not Marty Jenkins' style. Marty Jenkins fit all of all this in World War II into one issue. Marty Jenkins has no time for panel A, say what you're going to do. Panel B, do it, and say that you did it. Panel number 5. Exterior shot of Kang's timeship floating in space. There's a speech balloon coming out of it, presumably just artistic convention. Although, I don't know, this is Kang's moment of triumph. Maybe he's on his subspace PA, just blasting this out into space. Quote, Now all I need to do is return to my kingdom. Panel 6. Kang's got his arms up in the air. They're in an ambiguous position. And the look on his face is flat. But there are all these, like, majesty lines coming out of him. The whole panel and Kang's body language lead us to expect emotion. And on his face, nothing. But apparently he is experiencing supreme exultation. In the speech bubble, it says, quote, My master plan has succeeded. The multiverse is mine. So that's the last page of the comic book. If this goes to the printers, then this will become reality in the Marvel Universe, and Kang will take over the multiverse. At this point, the judge sets a real-life timer for the players. They've got 10 minutes, minus 1 minute for every 10 rounds that they spent fighting O'Malley, minus 2 minutes if they somehow forgot that the proofs for the book were in the bottom drawer of the filing cabinet in O'Malley's office. So realistically, we're talking 7 minutes and change here. At this point, or perhaps beforehand, the judge cuts up the comic book page, or rather a photocopy thereof, into individual panels. And the players can now rearrange the panels and erase the dialogue, which is written in pencil, and replace it with their own so that they can write reality and decide Kang's ultimate fate. I guess the idea here, and it makes sense, is that there's not really enough time, barring certain very specific superpowers, to redraw the page or somehow create a a totally different one. So you just have to work with the panels that are there, rearrange them, change the dialogue, and get this thing off to the printer. Whenever the time limit is up, 4 o'clock arrives, and, quote, the messenger from the printer arrives to pick up the proofs. There's no flexibility on this time limit, and remember, the messenger is a retired 15th level wizard. He has fireball prepared, and he will punish you for exceeding the deadline. So 4 o'clock is it. We're superheroes. He's a messenger boy. Nonetheless, 4 o'clock is it. In a welcome change from the other minigames we've had, Throughout this adventure series, there's not really much of a fail state here. Quote, you should encourage the players to arrange the panels in a way that makes sense. In the hero's revised ending, Kang will almost certainly be defeated, captured, or stranded. So we can do whatever we want to Kang. The judge is going to gently suggest to us 
that we tried to create something that makes sense on the page. We try to do something coherent as the ending of a comic book, but we don't really have to. And it doesn't say this on the page, but presumably, if we mess this up so badly that we've got nothing, we could just destroy the page, and the issue probably wouldn't go to print. Or kill the messenger. He only has a d4 hit die. If we catch him by surprise, maybe we can take him. I don't know. But I don't think it's going to come to that. We can write whatever we want here. Uh, total nonsense. A clever twist ending where Kang like realizes what's happening at the Marvel offices and then screams in defeat as he is sucked into the time vortex. Or we can send him back to the shitty pocket dimension if we really want to make him suffer what we suffered, dealing with all their bullshit. Whatever we want to do, we can do. This chapter, in fact, gives us almost complete cosmic power over the course of events, which is why it's quite surprising that the chapter goes on to end this adventure series on a note of crushing existential horror. First of all, loose ends get wrapped up here. Our duplicates take the Master Kang into custody. Remember, we just kind of left him in the basement last time. They'll handle that. They destroy Kang's tech in the basement so that no one in this reality can have access to it. They get themselves home with the same technology that they are going to destroy. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Whatever. That's none of our business. It's done. We get to go home in a final section entitled Returning Home. Quote, the heroes have no problem setting their timeship for a course that will take them back to their own reality, which I think amply proves that by this point we can pilot the time machine. We didn't have coordinates from Kang on how to get from this reality to the other reality. We just can do it. Quote, but on route, the ship is buffeted about by an immensely powerful temporal disturbance, which automatically knocks all of the PCs unconscious. The author had to get in just one more, one parting shot. We are automatically KO'd in the final paragraph. Just his little way of saying goodbye. Quote, This disturbance is the result of reality itself being manipulated through the comic story. The time ship automatically materializes safely, but when the heroes awake, they have no memory of the entire adventure, and thus no longer the origins and secret identities of Spider-Man Daredevil at all. Also, this last disturbance was of such a magnitude that it permanently shorted out the circuits in the hero's time ship, rendering it useless. And then it goes on to say, if we want them to keep the time ship, just ignore that last bit. First of all, in my own on-brand parting shot, let me just point out that the inciting incident of this whole adventure was when our heroes traveled to their present day and discovered it to be a world without heroes, and nobody remembered there ever being superheroes in the 20th century since World War II, except for our heroes, because they were in their time ship in the time vortex when the disturbance happened. That was the first thing that happened to us in this adventure. And the ending of this adventure is, we get into the time ship, there is a time disturbance while we are in the time ship, and we are fully affected by the changes to the time stream, and we don't remember anything. I never really expected time travel to start making sense in this adventure series, but I have now gone down with the ship. I have fought the good fight to the very last page. It's a moral victory. But I'll tell you what is not a victory when considered for even a moment. The resolution to this adventure. This is not a win. This is horrific. This is like a really mean Twilight Zone or Outer Limits ending. You'll recall that Kang set up this whole synchronicity of events between the two timelines, between the two universes, so that he could send out this frequency into the time vortex and link the two realities together so that they would be synced. And what happened in the comic books in this reality, the one without superheroes, would become real, would become true in the Marvel Universe. When we busted Kang, broadcasting the frequency in the basement of the office building, he then shut the machine off because its work was done. The sync had been completed. That's why it wasn't disrupted by the fact that we then fought Kang, he was jumped by Master Kang, none of that mattered. The sync had already been established. The frequency wasn't needed, events no longer needed to be synchronized. That is why whatever we wrote on the final page of the comic book becomes reality in the Marvel Universe, right? Nothing we've done changes that. The events of this adventure still happened, it's just that we don't remember them. 
And I don't believe that we ever explained this situation to Marty Jenkins. We only briefly ran into him in the elevator while we were on that strict time limit to go destroy the proofs. So unless we thought to stick around and wrap things up with Marty Jenkins, which I don't care that much about Marty Jenkins. I don't think anyone ever has cared that much about Marty Jenkins. He leads a sad life, and yet I feel nothing. So assuming that we forgot about Marty and just went back to our reality, Marty Jenkins is still writing the fate of our heroes. What he writes in the comic book will be their lives, but he doesn't know that. And the heroes don't know that because they've forgotten the whole adventure. So the rest of our heroes' lives is dictated unwittingly by the cruel and boring imagination of Marty Jenkins, creator of the Kokri, by the way, creator of the Crozar, the writer who originally subjected us in fictional form to so many unstoppable KO traps. That Marty Jenkins, he is now our god. He now determines our reality, and he doesn't know that he's writing the lives of real people, which means he will continue to subject us to the same torment we've experienced throughout this adventure path. We're going to talk more about the final minigame tomorrow, because that's the page that actually holds the comic book panels. And so we'll talk then about the exact mechanics of the minigame and its limitations. The dumbest thing on this page is this ending. We have invested so much. We have spent so much karma. We have paid such a price in health and XP and our time at the table. We are hugely invested in this adventure path to end it by breaking the time machine that we have finally mastered and taking away our memory of all these events seems unnecessarily mean, even before taking into account that the author, I presume accidentally, has created an ending where the rest of our lives we are the unwitting puppets of an extra-dimensional comic book writer. Other than our karma award, 90 karma to split for defeating O'Malley and finally defeating the Supreme Kang and saving the multiverse from his control, 90 karma to split. Other than that, the adventure's over. That's the big finale. You remember nothing. Good night. So the author did not exactly stick the landing here, but that final minigame was solid and it offers the possibility for the players to salvage this ending after all. Join me next time for that on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Take Us to the Nearest Starbase by Astrometrics, whose work you can find at soundcloud.com slash astrometricsband. <laughs>